As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Straight from the Source is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Welcome back to Straight from the Source, everybody. This is Michael Russo. Uh, thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you're not an athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for a discount. Huge, huge project uh, coming out on Wednesday. I've been teasing you with this for honestly probably two months, uh, but our Minnesota Twins writer, Dan Hayes, and myself uh, really teamed up on a really cool project. Um, it, we were basically the guinea pigs at The Athletic, the first of its kind at The Athletic. Um, so what we're doing is basically a whole multimedia um, contingency. Um, we Basically, every single foray of multimedia is part of this story. Um, so we got the article. We got a really cool documentary-style video that goes with the article, a narrative podcast that goes with the article, a bunch of videos that are being embedded in the article and then actually I'll be doing the athletic hockey show on Wednesday with Sarah Sivian and Jesse Granger as well and that'll be uh, something that'll come out this week but um, been teasing with this for a while um, hope everybody reads it and watches it and enjoys uh, the project that we're doing it's a feel-good story um, not, not no tears shed I promise you that um, but it's just a really cool story um, and uh, you know teaming up a bunch of baseball players and hockey players in town and what's really neat the story is Dustin Bufflin is a big part of it Dustin dropped off the planet when he left the Winnipeg Jets a couple of years ago, but you're going to get to see him in these videos and read um, uh, about him in, in this story as well. So hopefully everybody reads it. I've given you enough teases there without telling you exactly what the story is, but hopefully you enjoy it. Um, my guest today is Johnny Merrill. Take two with John. Uh, John 
Uh, I know Anthony LaPanza loves to say jinxes aren't real, but the morning uh, that I was supposed to do John Merrill last week, his podcast, uh, or sit down with him for a podcast, uh, he tested positive for COVID-19. Well, I've been assured that he has cleared from protocol and will practice with the Wild today and after practice before uh, the team heads out to Chicago. Um, I will sit down with John and I hear that he's an open book. It should be a fun interview, a great career. Just signed an extension. We'll talk to him about his bearded dragon, RuPaul. Um, we'll talk to him about a lot of different stuff, his runs to the Stanley Cup final with the Vegas Golden Knights, his five girls at town, um, at home, uh, his four little daughters and uh, and his wife, Jess, as well. Uh, just a really cool, interesting family and, and obviously a hockey player that's added a lot to this team and finally uh, earned himself some long-term security uh, with a three-year deal, uh, former Michigan Wolverine. So fun sit down with John Merrill as well. Um, hope everybody enjoys that. Also, today we'll be getting Kirill Kaprizov, uh, and later in the week you'll you'll read a feature that I'm writing on Kaprizov in his first All-Star Game appearance. His parents are in town. They saw him play in New York and uh, in, in, in have, obviously, the big game um, in uh, Madison Square Garden, and then he goes to uh, Long Island. First ever visit to UBS Arena for the Minnesota Wild, and he scores the winning goal and has an assist to extend his point streak to 11 games, even though the league doesn't consider it a point streak, which is ludicrous. Um, So his parents got to see him for the first time. Um, The way I understand it is to get their visas cleared, they flew from Moscow to the Dominican Republic and had to get cleared there, and they were there for two weeks before flying to New York. The whole big process to get uh, people from Russia into the United States right now, and that's how it was done. And uh, he will not go to Chicago, they will not go to Chicago with uh, Kaprizov today, uh, <clears throat> but they will stay here in the Twin Cities. And then on Thursday, when Cam Talbot and Kirill Kaprizov fly to uh, Vegas for the All Star Weekend, uh, Kirill's pa- parents will go along for the ride. Wild eight zero and one in its last nine. Uh, it's the first time in wild history in their 21 years that they've had multiple nine game point streaks in a single season. Um, eight Oh and one since Matt Boldy was called up after that, uh, ghastly winter classic loss. And he's got nine points in nine games. That's a first in Minnesota wild history. Most points in a player's first nine games in his NHL career. He breaks, uh, Miko Koivu's record of eight points in nine games and Kirill Kaprizov had seven. Um, Now, Ryan Donato had nine points in his first nine games with the Minnesota Wild as a player, so Boldy ties that mark. But in terms of first nine games of one's career, Matt Boldy now is the Minnesota Wild record holder, just playing absolutely awesome. Looks like a veteran out there. Um, Players love him. You know, he's got such great vision and skill and stick skills, but I just love the way that he plays along the boards and protects the puck. He is so strong on the puck, it is is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it's just really cool to see him. And uh, he got the conversation last Tuesday. Bill Guerin pulled him aside and told him, you can move out of the hotel, go find yourself a place. So that this weekend, uh, that's what he'll be doing. He'll be looking for a place during the All-Star break and getting the rest of his stuff from Des Moines. So busy weekend for Matt Boldy as well. He'll get it all taken care of. But really, really cool. Kevin Fiala has been the biggest beneficiary of that. Um, he's on a 11-game point streak. That's the second long, 
longest point streak in wild history behind Mikhail Granlund. And again, uh, the only reason why Kaprizov isn't there with him in the 11-game point streak technically is because he missed a game, and that's the way the NHL counts it. But in those 11 games, uh, Fiala has eight goals, and there have been big goals every night, whether they're sparking comebacks or last last second goals or things like that. So he's just playing awesome, and it's really cool to see. Uh, Matt Zuccarello's point streak snapped at 10 uh, in New York as well, but the Wild wind up uh, pulling out the victory behind 40 saves from Capo Kakinen, who is now 10-1-2 and in his last 15 games, 13 starts. And, you know, that was another game the other night where the Wild, like yesteryear, there's no way they would have won that game. And they figure out a way in a game where they weren't very good in the second and third periods were lacking Marcus Foligno and, and, and things like that. They looked gassed. Um, they figure out a way to win that game behind a great goaltending performance and really hard defending in their own zone. And, um, you know, again, it's just another example of where this team is different. In New York, we saw the opposite. They played a terrible first period, but then they come out and dominate the second and third period. Um, and when I say New York, I mean in Manhattan. Then the next night, they reverse the game. They play a great first period and then uh, get a horrible call against Matt Dumba against them that turned the game upside down. And then they were on their heels sort of the rest of the game. And three two-goal deficits, uh, two-goal leads became one-goal leads to make for a nail-biter at the end. But despite playing terribly in the second and third periods, they find a way, out a way, find a way to win the game. And so that's pretty cool. The other big story going on right now is Jordan Greenway signed a three-year, $9 million extension. Um, I started to get wind of that, the game uh, in New York, um, the Islander game, and uh, <clears throat> wrote about it, um, you know, kind of dropped a little hint that it was might be coming in my game story that night, the Matt Boldy game story that hopefully you all read. Um, and then uh, did some more digging when I uh, was at JFK, uh, flying back here um, yesterday morning and was able to confirm it and second source and all that stuff in the morning and was able to at least get it out there that, that he was signing this deal. Um, you know, it, why did the Wild prioritize him? Uh, 24 years old, six foot six. He's played well the last couple weeks, couple uh, sorry, months. Um, and he's also part of a dominant, dominant line with Jewel Erickson Eck and Marcus Foligno that hasn't believed believe it or not, giving up a five-on-five goal together in 185 minutes skating together this season. of That's crazy if you think about it. Again, that's together. I'm not saying that five-on-five, that Felino hasn't been on the ice for a goal or Eric Snack or Greenway, but together as a line, according to Money Puck, they have not given up a goal, and I went back in the game sheets and I confirmed that. Uh, so it is absolutely true. 185 minutes, by far the most minutes of any line in the league that hasn't uh, given up a goal. Um, now, Bill Guerin did say that 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 is not why Greenway was extended. He wasn't extended to force Dean Everson to play this line together for the next three years. Um, But, you know, they just believe in, in Greenway and they were able to get it done at a number that they, that they so liked. But, how does this affect everything else? Tough, tough decisions still to come. And this is the one thing that I always wonder about extending guys in season is right now the team's rolling. You have Fiala on fire. Um, you know, I always wonder about the dynamic of what it does in the locker room individually to some guys that are in situations and do the math and say, well, maybe I'm not part of the future here and that how that affects them. Bill Guerin's played the, the game a long time. I asked him that question yesterday and he basically said to him, it is not an issue. But look, these guys are human beings. They know um, that guys are getting done. I'm sure they're happy for Jordan Greenway, but I'm sure there's certain guys in that locker room that now see the writing on the wall. Like Nico Sturm is one of them. Nico's got to do the math. 
math here and say, how the heck am I going to be back? Um, even Kevin Fiala right now has got to just really be curious about what his future is like. Not in season, but maybe in the summer they move him. Let's just look at the math here. According to Cap Friendly, they have 12 points. Uh, 12, basically $12 million of cap space going into next season because of the dead money that they have with Parisian Suter. $12 million of cap space, and they have Kevin Fiala as a restricted free agent, Capo Kakinen as a restricted free agent. Let's be honest, he's a little integral. Um, Connor Drewer as a restricted free agent. He's going to have to be re-signed as well. Um, and then unrestricted free agents, Nico Sturm, Alex Goligoski, who we are all expecting is going to sign a discount, um, sign for a discount. We'll see if that still happens. You know, could the Wild have decided that, you know what, let's go the cheaper route and uh, and have Johnny Merrill uh, at $1.2 million and then uh, just promote Kalen Addison next year? And maybe they're going to move on from Alex Goligoski. Who knows? Um, and then you have the other unrestricted free agents being Jordy Ben, who, you know, obviously would come cheap. Um, Nick Bukestead and Victor Rask. So there is no way that all these guys come back. And then it's still you do the math. And even if you resign one or two of those, you have to fill out the rest of your roster. So there is not a lot of money to sprinkle around here. Um, and the other thing here is that you've got, we are looking at Matt Boldy looking like at, he's going to have a monster second half here. And then next year is the last year in his deal. If he has a monster year next year, they're going to have to extend him at big time money on a, either a bridge deal or a long-term deal. So I just don't see a way that they can resign a guy like Kevin Fiala. Now there are ways, um, you know, do you trade a Cam Talbot at some point? Do you trade a Matt Dumba at some point? Um, this is the type of stuff that they are obviously uh, have a plan in the front office and hopefully that'll become clearer to us as the days go on. But um, obviously the Greenway deal at $3 million changes the complexion of a lot of these guys. And now you do have to wonder what is the future of Fiala? What is the future of Goligoski? What is the future of Nico Sturm? Very likely could be somewhere else at some point. Um, so we'll see. The other uh, thing that I'll be writing about a lot here in the next um, two months, seven weeks, is the trade deadline. And, you know, I am of the opinion that the Wild are a center away from being a true contender in the Western Conference. I still look at a team that is very, very good, very, very special, but you are still to get to where they want to go, going to have to go through Colorado and probably Vegas. Vegas is getting Jack Eichel. Colorado's got Kadri and McKinnon. Um, so this is an, an incredible blue line. If you can get another center here and stick him between Fiala and and Boldy, holy mackerel, could this be good if you move a, a guy like Goudreau to the fourth line? Um, and again, this is all assuming they're healthy. But when I dig around and talk to people, and maybe it could be messages coming from the front office because they want to paint a perception out there so people don't try to, um, you know, uh, uh, steal all their assets, is that they don't want, they're not really uh, feeling that they have to go out and get a center. But I am getting the impression that this is not priority number one for them going into the trade deadline. That if they're healthy, that Billy Guerin and the staff love this team and believe they're a contender as it is and don't want to give up a bunch of assets and certainly don't want to disrupt the chemistry inside that locker room a la Marty Hansel a couple years ago or four or five or six years ago and um, trade guys off their roster. So I don't think 
that they are going to go out and make a trade that would give up a Dumbo or, G- or a Kevin Fiala in season because of what it could do to the lineup. Now, in the offseason, perhaps. But in season, do you go after a Claude Giroux, a Joe Pavelski, a Thomas Hurdle, a Paul Stasny, something like that? That is going to be the biggest thing that they have to look at here in the next little while. It would cost assets, but this is a team that has a ton of assets right now, and they can't all play here eventually. So is this the year, especially with the cap hits that we've just talked about coming up, is this the year that you go for it and be willing to give away your first round pick and trade a secondary um, uh you know, a secondary uh, asset or, or something like that, a, a secondary second tier prospect is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I think this is the year that it should be considered, but we'll see. I don't think they want to give up guys like they, like Beckman though. And some of those players, because the reality is, is that while Rossi has a top future here to be a center, if you lose Fiala, now, you know, Beckman could eventually stick in that role or some of those upper echelon wingers that they're hopefully going to have here, like a Jack McBain or something like that. Eventually a center like who's not enough. We'll see. Um, a lot of decisions coming up here in the next several months. They've got to decide on McBain. They've got to decide on uh, Sam Henschkes, both guys going to the Olympics. Um, so it's going to be really fascinating watching how they're going to put this the pegs in this uh, very, very tight round hole. Uh, I mean, again, $12 million with a ton of guys to resign. So, uh, you know, the Greenway contract, uh, to me, uh, you know, even though I learned about it the day before, it was certainly uh, came as a shock to me that they, that they were um, prioritizing him to get it done. But, but obviously, playing great hockey on a great line and uh, continues to have upside, led the team in assists last year, and also is starting to play big man's hockey. Like the other night against the Islanders, that was a game where Marcus Foligno wasn't playing, yet Greenway didn't back down from anybody. You know, he's not going to be somebody that's going to drop the gloves or something like that, but man, was he. Uh, he played a hard, hard game, won his board battles, and I thought he was one of the best players on the ice against the Islanders. So, um, you know, Interesting stuff going on with the Minnesota Wild here. They play in Chicago, wrap-up game, uh, the first half of the season coming up. Late, late game, Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. because it's a TNT game. That will be game 41, and it'll wrap up a really quality uh, first half for the Minnesota Wild. Right now, the second-best points percentage in the NHL since November, 20, November, since November 24th beyond behind uh, just the Colorado lunch. Uh, John Merrill is my guest today, but before we get to John, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, very happy to be joined by John Merrill here. Uh, every, uh, I've my play-by-play uh, buddy, uh, Anthony Lepanto, always says jinxes aren't real. But then the day we're supposed to do the podcast last week, you get <laughs> COVID. Um, that had to be tough. Yeah, you know, it's um, tough times for everyone in the world. And, you know, 
obviously the the league put in place the testing protocols for a reason and to protect us and in the society so it is what it is uh serves my five-day sentence and i'm back <laughs> and you get to play uh you i mean you're fine one practice and playing tomorrow yeah i'm excited to get back in there i think that's the way to do it you know just get right into the water and, and sink or swim yep tell us uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself i mean obviously you know you were born in in oklahoma city Yep, uh, yep. Bo- born in Oklahoma, right? Right. Your dad was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So how did uh, so how did that call? Like, when did you move to Michigan? All that stuff. Um, both of my parents are from Michigan originally. So um, when my dad got out of the service, we moved back to Michigan, um, the Flint area. Um, when I was four or five years old, somewhere in there, and started playing hockey right away. Um, no hockey roots in my family. Just um, wow. Wanted my dad wanted me to get us into all sorts of sports to see kind of what we liked, and so I played a little bit of everything and. Um, just was best at hockey, I guess. <laughs> and you went into the Little Caesars program? Or yeah, how, yeah, yeah, probably started playing with Little Caesars, maybe eight years old, and then all the way up until midget. How many, like, and it, like Little Caesars renowned is like the premier program. I mean, did you play with a lot of kids that are now in the NHL? And yeah, We had a pretty good crop of, um, I'm a 1992 birth year, but I was fortunate enough to play with the 1991s, most of my, uh, on the way up. And uh, that was Cam Fowler was in our... Um, he played for a different team okay. out of Detroit, but he was in our age group. Um, Tory Krug. Um, so we had a couple of pretty yeah. good D-men come out of our our era. How how much of a dream was it for then for you to go and play for University of Michigan? You know, it's uh, there was so much college hockey in Michigan. They they always had games down at the Joe Louis Arena, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan Tech, Western. So I was familiar with all of the great programs across the state and. You know, as a young kid, you just want to be in any of those games. So to play for any of those programs would have been great. But when Michigan came calling, it was definitely an easy decision for me. Cool. Um, so, John, uh, the other day, Marcus Flino told me, he goes, if John Merrill doesn't like you, something is wrong with you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is it about your personality? So hopefully by the end of this, he still like me. But, uh, yeah. but but what is it about your personality that like that? Because you can just tell, like, I remember even in training camp, I've told you this before, guys were telling me, like, wait till you meet this Merrill guy, Brad Hunt the second that you signed here texting me he goes you were gonna love this guy like so what is it about your personality i think um i try to just be open-minded right and be accepting of, of all my teammates and mm-hmm. try and learn about their differences and and like i said just be open-minded and and um obviously friendly being friendly helps and going out of your way to show your teammates and people that you care i mean we spend so much time together i think it goes a long way to just you know, I start a conversation and learn a little bit more about the guys, and it's it's, it's important to me. And it does seem like this is a really special locker room. Like, yeah, I like I've covered this. This is my twenty seventh year covering the NHL, and I've covered a lot of locker rooms. Everybody's like, "Oh, we're tight. Camaraderie is incredible." This one really seems very, very different to me. I don't know what it is, but you just and and I'm not even in the locker room every day like a lot of reporters used to be, and yet you just see it uh, on how tight you guys are, the way you stick up for each other on the ice, everything. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, obviously before I even got here, these guys, some of these guys have been playing together for a little while mm-hmm. and, and they've got a good chemistry on and off the ice going. And I think it's just a lot of shared interest in a lot of things um, away from the rink uh, in hockey. I think we got a lot of guys who are similar, similar in age, you know, and um, just things are going well. And obviously when you're winning and you're enjoying yourself on the ice, it makes for an easier time to get along off the ice. But um, 
I mean, it, everything in my experience in, in hockey and sports is culture leads to, to championships and leads to victory. So I definitely think we're on the right path in that. Regard. And you've, you've been to the finals uh, twice in the last four years, but once with Montreal, once with Vegas. Where does this team sort of, like, what's the differences with this team? Because it certainly feels like something special is brewing here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, to, co to compare the, this team to other teams that I've been on that have had success, I would say the biggest difference is just the depth, the mm -hmm. way that we kind of just roll them over. And, and you see the, the minutes at the, after every game, it's pretty shared. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty evenly dispersed. Obviously, the guys that are on the power play or penalty kill, if it's a special teams game, might get a little bit more of an edge. But you know, on other teams I've played on, it seems as though, you know, last year in the run with Montreal, I'm sure everybody noticed I was playing, you know, 10 minutes, 13 minutes a night, and the other guys were playing close to 30 on the back end. And it's, it worked for us to get to the finals. I just don't know how sustainable it is uh, right. in the long term of a full 82 game season with the playoffs and everything. So I think the way that we just roll the lines, trust each other, mm -hmm. and, and believe in our depth is a big advantage of ours. The Vegas run had to be the most exciting uh, to be part of. I mean, you know, I know, again, you, you probably weren't playing as much as you, you would have loved, but just, you know, being there for the first team, it obviously awful experience in, in training camp right before the season that you were part of as well. Yeah. Um, how uh, That whole run, that whole ride there in Vegas, what was it like? It was incredible. I mean, to just, with no expectations, come in as an expansion team, no expectations with the city, the fans, base and and obviously the tragedy that happened on October 1st kind of rallied the city around the team which uh, was really cool to see to see how ingrained the team has become in just like the culture of Vegas and you know it was kind of became the thing to do in town was to go to a Knights game and if you weren't going to a game you were watching it on TV with friends and you hear stories about how sports can bring communities closer mm -hmm. and bring people together and you really saw that there I mean when we were on that playoff run it was all the neighborhood kids where I was living were putting big sidewalk chalk in front of my house and signs and everybody wanted to come down and talk about the game. And these are people who have no prior hockey knowledge or experience. Right. So it was so cool to be a part of all that. And it just felt, uh, like it was destiny. We just yeah. couldn't lose and we just kept going and kept going. It was really fun. That's awesome. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about your home life. Uh, so I know you're married to uh, Jess, a uh, big Mexican family. Uh, tell me about the first time that her family met your family. I understand there was a, a communion involved and tequila and all yeah. this type of stuff. <laughs> tell me about this. Yeah, for sure. The first time I went to um, California to meet Jess's uh, family, it was a first communion for one of her little cousins and um, you know my family traditional first communion is very formal it's qu kind of a quiet maybe a little bit of a rehearsal after or something or a reception and um, this was not the case there and it led to a uh, tons of tequila shots and it was a quick <laughs> intro and everybody got to know each other rather quickly but yeah her family definitely comes from a whole different world and I remember the first time that that exact weekend uh, talking to some of her uncles and they're asking me what do you do for a living and i told them oh i'm a hockey player they said oh that's fun but what, how do you make money like what's your job <laughs> <laughs> they, they just had no clue that there's even a professional hockey league so it's been fun to to also see them become fans and follow me throughout my career and now we got a uh, little army of a Mexican hockey fans in California <laughs> watching every night. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and now four girls. Um, your first was a surprise to you both. I understand, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, so the, uh, like, I mean, like the, the cutest videos that Jess have put on Twitter was you coming back from the bubble last year as well because they couldn't be in Montreal with you and things like that. Um, how tough has that been? I mean, even now they're living in Colorado, right? So yeah. I mean, how? I mean, I know that they're your world, and to 
you know, be away from them. It's got to be just horrible. It is. It's it's really challenging, obviously, for me in a much different way for Jess. It's equally as challenging to not feel the support of a partner there and to have to go through what she's going through. I mean, she's the true hero in all of this uh, as far as the separation is concerned. But it, it's uh, we looked at it as a short-term struggle for a long-term gain. And, you know, I've, I came here this year with intention to, you know, extend my career. And, you know, I've been able to do that. And so to be able to bring them in next year and to be back together, it means the world to me. That's amazing. Um, and who came up with the Meryl Monsters? Was that you? Was it Jess? That's <laughs> Jess, yeah. She, she's, I don't do any social media, never have. I stay off it, but she's a wizard on there. I mean, all my friends and everybody comments on how well she sort of documents the life with the kids and everything, but she definitely coined that term. That is, that is really funny. Um, the, uh, and, and social justice is something that you, you are real passionate about. I mean, that's the one thing I could tell, like just from following her on Twitter and things like that, and and uh, and with you as well, definitely. It's it's something that we've tried to teach our kids, and we talked about it. Obviously, with kind of started with the the COVID quarantine. You know, the the tragedy of George Floyd here in Minneapolis. Actually, we started to become really educating ourselves and, and thinking about what can we do to make a difference and we looked right at the dinner table and we see those four young faces right there and we thought this is the best thing that we can do right now is try and show our kids what it means to be inclusive and what it means to be open-minded and and to you know teach them about history the right way and, and the way things mm -hmm. have gone and and keep them socially aware and it's something that we're constantly trying to talk to them about educate ourselves about and and get out in the community and do whatever we can to make a difference. Especially because everything is learned. I mean, right. everything. I mean, who you're a sports team is, is learned. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a sports fan is. I mean, everything. It's just, it's, yeah, it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. And it starts with the kids, I think. You know, if you it starts at home with the kids. No doubt about that. Um, uh, just again, uh, uh, one thing, I, how did you guys wind up in Colorado? Like, that's where you guys uh, live, right? Yeah, just random. I uh, played with a guy, Kyle Quincy, um, okay. when I was with New Jersey, and he had a brief stint with the Avs there, and then they called it home permanently, and they kept, uh, I became close with him and his wife, Rachel, and they recommended we come out and visit um, one weekend, and Jess and I did, and uh, Rachel happened to get her real estate license, and so she showed us a few houses, and we were looking for somewhere to kind of put our roots down. Our family was grown, and we were kind of just looking for somewhere to call home and put our stuff down and um, it worked out and we just picked it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, tell us about RuPaul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ru is um, uh, our bearded dragon lizard and uh, we <laughs> caught one during the COVID in 2020 when we were just sitting around hanging at home. We had the little ones, wild ones running around the backyard in Vegas and we caught one and it wasn't thriving in captivity so well. So, the, But the girls were into having one as a pet. So we went and got one and we brought it home and the girls were asking, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And I had never really handled bearded dragons before, <laughs> so I was unsure. And so we figured, ah, we'll just give it a name like RuPaul and she sort of can be gender fluid if she wants to be. So uh, Somebody asked a guy named Jason on Twitter, asked her, were you as unaware as he, he owns a bearded dragon too? And he said, were you as unaware as he was that you would have to be buying cricket? for the rest of your life uh, with this bearded dragon. Is I, I definitely did not know the extent of what it would entail, but she's um, sort of a vegetarian bearded <laughs> dragon. I think uh, she gets crickets as a treat every once in a while, but she mostly eats veggies, whatever's left over in the fridge. That is hilarious. Um, let's, uh, I got a bunch of Twitter questions. Um, 
Here's one from Kyle. Were you born this cool or was it a steady progression? <laughs> I don't know. I think it is it's part of it's born. You know, I think part <laughs> of it is just the way you are. If you're just uh, naturally a calm down nervous system and uh, just uh, a chiller person. So it definitely is born that way a little bit. Yeah, because I've even seen you on, like, on, on the road at hotels and even just the way you dress is yeah. just like so confident. It's <laughs> like, you, like uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> tried to have my own... Um, have always beat to my own drum and do my yeah. own thing. Uh, a lot of people ask, uh, Alec asks, what's the inspiration with the stash? You know what? I, I kind of went with it as a joke years ago. And, um, I was playing with a teammate of mine, Nate Schmidt and, uh, love Nate. Yeah. Nate's the man. And we were talking about uh, the muzzy and are you going to keep it? What's going on? And I kind of said to him, I'd love to be one of those dads who their kids never see their dad without a mustache for like ever. <laughs> so I kind of like decided that I would like to try and keep it. And maybe one day when the girls are a lot older, shave it off and they'll be shocked, you know? That's that's neat, and obviously that where it really became legendary was at the Winter Classic when yeah. they showed you on the jumbotron, and it was frozen, and you were you were unaware of it, right? I was unaware, and I couldn't even get a glimpse at it because I think the camera was behind me, so I kept turning my head to look at the jumbotron, but the camera was showing the back of my head, so <laughs> I could, I didn't even get look at it till later. I saw a photo, but that's it's hilarious. pretty cool. Um, another really neat thing that happened during the Winter Classic was the day before, and that's essentially where your contract extension sort of got finalized, if I understand it. Like Bill, the way Bill Guerin explain it to me is that he you guys were skating in a family skate and he just said uh, you came up to the bench at one point and he basically said to you have you talked to your agent and you said yep we're good or something <laughs> that it was that simple yeah yeah it was kind of a little bit of a back and forth between him and my agent and i had just spoke to my agent the night before and uh hadn't seen billy in a while and that was the first time i saw him and he just exactly what you said he asked have you have you talked to your agent and i had already made a decision i talked to jess and we were into it so I just kind of told him, yeah, we're in. And uh, it was a pretty cool experience. That is really neat. Um, favorite road city or arena? This is from Ryan. New York. Um, playing for the Devils for a while. Just and, to be, and you unfortunately missed this, I know, the yeah. two games. Or. The, so I would say the favorite city to go to is New York. But the favorite arena to play in is the Bell Center for me in Montreal. Mm -hmm. it just, it's got so much history and, and so much. Uh, just when the Canadians come on the ice, it's just such a... It almost feels like uh, the fans are in awe of the experience. Right. It's incredible. And you didn't get to play in front of fans. 2,500 was the limit. Yeah. It was all the way through the finals. Uh, yeah. stinks. Yeah. 30,000 on the streets, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That <laughs> made no made sense no to sense, me. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, play, uh, here's from, I think, Eric asked this. Uh, I, I wrote all these questions last week, so, of course, my memory is uh, just faded. Um, but uh, uh, the player or teammate that you've played with past or present that you most emulated? played with that I've emulated um I'd have to go with Andy Green I think uh when I came in as a young mm -hmm. guy Andy Green was in New Jersey we're both Michigan guys he kind of uh took me under his wing as far as uh, I don't think we're super similar the way we play but just his his commitment to his job and that uh is it's it's all day it's an every every day all day thing to be at your best in the nhl as far as everything you eat your work ethic in the gym so he definitely instilled a lot of those things in me that i've carried with me my whole career um tina asks um the wild are having their first pride night on march 29th uh, what does that selling mean to you i've seen also on social media this is something else that you guys are passionate, passionate absolutely about. um one uh, Jess's brother um, is is part of the LGBTQ community, and um, we've marched in several pride parades uh, with the kids and with ourselves. It's definitely something that we um, 
talk about and we, we, we talk to our girls about and we're very supportive of. So I think that, that the NHL is uh, honoring or being inclusive of people of all different types of sexual orientations. I, I love it. And I think um, it, it's, it's so good because it's something that uh, a lot of people are naive about or ignorant about, especially in this sport. They don't understand mm -hmm. that it's something you're born with. And it, these are people, human beings, just like everybody in they need to be given the same opportunities and same recognition that everyone is. That's really cool. Um, Alex, I know I'm jumping around all sorts of segues here, but Alex has a uh, favorite Michigan memory. Weird segue, but, <laughs> but I, I grabbed the Twitter questions as I saw them. So. Yeah. Um, obviously, hockey, making it to the national championship our first year um, here in the Excel Center, actually, um, just to be a part of that and go on that run with that team as a freshman was it was pretty incredible. Um and off the ice, it was just such a cool experience and mm -hmm. an important time for me in my life. And, you know, I made so many friends outside of hockey, outside of sports, just like really intelligent, cool people that are were mm -hmm. regular students at Michigan that carried on those friendships to this day, which was really special to me. Yeah. What is Flint like? I mean, I know that you said you're from that area. I mean, you know, most people have the connotation that have never been there of like, my, you know, my, like everything that you hear about the water and all that stuff. Like what, what is Flint like? Um, where we grew up, uh, we were just about 10 miles outside of downtown mm -hmm. Flint. It's a town called Grand Blanc and, um, very rural, um, small town vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, the auto industry ran that whole area for decades. And in 2008, when things kind of came crashing to a halt, it really took a hit on that area specifically. I mean, my family personally, all my uncles, my aunts, my grandfather, my father all work in the auto industry, mm -hmm. right? So it's it was deeply rooted in that community is GM Ford Chrysler. And so you see big plants closed and, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of struggle in, in a lot of parts of Michigan as a whole, I think Southeast Michigan, um, a lot of people with just, um, no money and struggling, but, um, a pride people and, um, prideful group of people and it's a special place to me and i love it there and are they still in the auto industry or my dad yeah. is yeah 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 what does he do he actually just took a new job he's he's in sales he sells uh -huh. uh, with amazon actually they're looking um at like gps systems and advancing those type of things oh really neat yeah um uh, eric asks why the wild and what do you like so far living most in minnesota i mean it's gotta be hard without your family but what do you do away from the rink um, I've really enjoyed the, uh, the sort of the winter culture that they have here in Minnesota. I feel like the, the cold and the snow does not slow anyone down. You still see people out all the time going on walks or I see a lot of people riding these fat tire bikes now and cross country skiing. I just love the, the outdoor feel of, um, especially like those downtown uh, neighborhoods around the Lake of the Isles and Lake yeah, Calhoun yeah. and things like that. I just, I think it's a really cool vibe around here for sure. Um, Tyler asked about, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, that they have put out your videos of you reading the lineup card before the game. And just where do you come up with the inspiration for that? Like, I mean, you, you definitely uh, get the guys riled up. Definitely. Like I said, I think was, I got asked about it before. It, it's something that, uh, you know, I think everything, just like jokes, like anything that we, we do, we, we steal a little bit right so as i've seen guys over the years do it i've seen other players bring some energy and it's something uh -huh. that i always loved was a guy who grabs the lineup card and he kind of just gets the boys going and yeah. gets the emotion going so i definitely don't want to take full credit for for that level of intensity because i've seen it done before but i something that i yeah. love to do before the game it seems like this coaching staff i mean it's pretty interesting like like we see the videos again we're unfortunately with covid we just aren't in the locker room a lot or at all anymore um but it does seem like like 
like Dean really delegates things out. Like, you know, like when I see the lineup card handed to you, it could be from an assistant coaches is coming in there through the game. It seems like he really lets the leadership of this team sort of run everything. Definitely. And I, I think it seems that way too. I'm not in the coach's dressing room, but it seems as though he delegates, you know, a lot of his power to all the other coaches uh-huh. as well. And it's like, like I said earlier, I think the strength of this team is the trust that we have and everyone that's involved in it, the yeah. depth and, and we kind of push each other because we all know that we're all contributing and we're all good and we all can play and we all can coach or whatever. So it's, it definitely is a, a shared sort of, you know, responsibility. And a, a couple more questions for you. And I, I, John's got it. We all, we both do have to get to the airport here to fly to Chicago. So I don't want to, I don't want the plane to leave without you, John. Um, but uh, the, you know, the, like the other night in, in, and I thought of this the other night when I was at Madison Square Garden. Th- three minutes left. Victor Rask, fourth line, two rookies on his flanks are out there for an offensive zone draw. Um, Second, the uh, next shift again. Two minutes left in a one-goal game. He puts out the third line with the third pair of D. And how? What does that do to the guys in that situation? It's got to make everybody feel part of it. I know you talked about how everybody's rolling. You know, you guys roll four lines and play shared minutes and things like that. But but this has got to make the Duhams and the Durs and in your situation, if you're on the second pair or third pair, feel like just as part of the team as a Kaprizov or a Zuccarello. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. I think it just, it, it instills a level of confidence in everybody that they're needed and that their mm-hmm. services are required for us to win. You know what I mean? It's like, we need you and we need you to come out and do your job and we rely on each other and we trust each other and, and that's, it's special and it's yeah. it's unique. It is pretty cool. Um, how far do you think this team can go? I think the sky's the limit. You yeah. know, I think there's there's not a team in this league that I look at that oh, it's a bad matchup for us. I think that we we do what we can do and we yeah. roll we roll our lines. We we play with our depth. There's not a team in this league that scares me in a seven game series. That's awesome. Last question for you. You're, you're only 29 years old. You just signed an extension, uh, so I don't want to. I don't want to put you uh, past your hockey career here, but what is life uh, after hockey for John Merrill and, and uh, the, the Merrill Monsters? You know what? I'd like to, you know, come home and, and fill my responsibility as a, as a partner to Jess first and allow her to go out. I know she has a lot of aspirations and passions for her life. So I'd love for her to get her life going and, and, um, you know, be be a, the best father I can be to my daughters and be in support of them. And I'd love to work in the community in some capacity and help out as a volunteer fireman or something like that and wow. just be involved to help out people. That's that's amazing. What, why fireman? Something I've always thought I was interested in. I mean, going all the way back to college, uh, high school, it's something I've just really always looked up to firemen, their their courage and their bravery and their want to um, serve the community and run into burning buildings to just save somebody they yeah. don't know. That level of heroism has always really appealed to me. Well, that's awesome. Uh, well, this was a lot of fun, John. And and if you are listening to this and you want to really feel uplifted, uh, go Google the uh, the videos of John coming back from the airport uh, after Montreal in the uh, Stanley Cup final and at the in the Edmonton bubble uh, and and seeing his his kids embrace them it is uh it's it really will bring bring a tear to your eye it's just a really really cool thing john this was a lot of fun thank you very much for having me yeah this was cool that is uh john merrill and here's a word from one of our sponsors victorinox the makers of the original swiss army knife have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges mastering functionality innovation iconic design and uncompromising quality with its products The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. My thanks to John Merrill for joining Straight From The Source today. Always fun to sit down with John and learn more about a lot of these wild players that maybe you haven't uh, gotten introduced to yet. Um, big week ahead for the Wild. First, Cam Talbot and Kirill Kaprizov will head to the All-Star Game on Thursday um, in Las Vegas after the team returns from, from Chicago. Cam is getting to bring his entire family. Kirill's parents, Oleg and Natalia, are in town, and they're going to get to go over there um, with him as well. And uh, we'll see them in skills competition in the game. The skills competition should be really, really cool. Then the Wild come back. They reconvene for practice on Monday. And then after practice, we'll fly up to Winnipeg for a game on Tuesday. Then and they'll take um, some days off, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, no games. And then they start a two-game homestand against Carolina and Detroit before heading up to Winnipeg again. And uh, that is the first, that Carolina game is the first of 40 games in 77 days. So a lot of uh, a lot of games coming up here. Um, also a lot of podcasts throughout The Athletic. I'll be on The Athletic Hockey Show this week to talk about that big story that I've been alluding to that's coming out uh, tomorrow. Um, that will be with uh, Sarah Sivian and Jesse. Granger, so very much looking forward to that. Uh, NHL Ironman Keith Yandel joins Craig Custance and Sean Gentili this week on the Athletic Hockey Show USA, and Shane Doan, the general manager of Team Canada at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, is Ian Mendez and Haley Salvinen's guest uh, this week on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.